Thank you, Tarana Burke, for giving us two words and a hashtag that help free us. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, retribution, accountability, and justice in the Me Too era. Thank you to all of you fabulous, strong, powerful Me Too's. Sexual misconduct is pervasive, so why is it so hard to punish perpetrators? If someone doesn't have the ability to extricate themselves from a situation of abuse, all of the slogans and protests and hashtags in the world are really not very meaningful for them. Is trial by Twitter mob any substitute for justice? Our guest is Janine Benedet from the University of British Columbia Law School. There are certain groups of victims that are really not part of any kind of Me Too conversation. Justice and the Me Too movement. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. How do we achieve justice for victims of sexual assault? Can we change the legal system to make it more effective? Or should we turn to social media instead? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Accept your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about accountability and justice in the Me Too movement. I, you know, I'm really glad to see the Me Too movement finally getting more press, Ray. I, you know, I, I hadn't realized that Tarana Burke started it all the way back in 2006. I mean, that's a long time ago. Yeah, and then it didn't get a whole lot of mainstream attention until more than a decade later. I mean, that's when Hollywood actresses started to come forward after famous men sexually abused them. It really goes to show how far we have to go as a society, just in terms of taking victims seriously. Especially when those victims are just regular folks and not Hollywood stars. We, we really need to tr start treating sexual crimes like crimes. I don't know. Like, that sounds really good in theory, but I just don't trust the legal system. Going to the police and telling a courtroom full of people about how somebody assaulted you, I mean, that can just be an incredibly harrowing process. And then people might not believe you, or worse, they might even blame you. But isn't it really important to bring offenders to justice? It is, but that usually doesn't happen. They mostly get away with it, and sometimes they'll even retaliate. Well, I mean, I agree that the system needs to change, but the good news is some of that's happening already, right? Lots of people are already working to change the system. We're seeing more convictions. We're seeing more proposals for new laws. Yeah, but things are still moving way too slowly. Judges and juries are still buying into all these dangerous myths, like boys will be boys or women are asking for it. Well, that's why we have to keep fighting for change. But but feminist legal scholars have already made a big difference. A, a lot of jurisdictions have rape shield laws to prevent lawyers and judges from using a victim's sexual history against them. And there are mandatory minimum sentences, making sure judges take serious crimes seriously. Yeah, some of those changes are really good. But actually, I think some of them are counterproductive. Too many black and indigenous people are in prison already. And having harsh legal punishments just adds to the problem even when the crimes really deserve to be taken seriously. I just don't think throwing people in jail is going to be the answer to all of our problems. I'm not saying the legal system's perfect, but don't we need to do something to hold perpetrators accountable? Well, how about calling them out on social media? That gives the victims the power to defend themselves instead of forcing them to rely on a broken system. But social media casts a really wide net. I mean, anybody can get named and shamed on Twitter, not, not just people who did something wrong. Yeah, well, that's true of the legal system, too. I mean, nothing is foolproof. 
that okay, but but at least the legal system has safeguards and due process. Isn't isn't it better than like sicking an electronic mob on people with virtual pitchforks and iPhone flashlights? Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I see why you might not want to use social shaming to punish perpetrators. But you know, you can also use social media to help potential victims. Giving people information about predators in their midst is a great way to keep them safe when the system won't. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'll bet our guest has more to say about it. It's Janine Benedet from the University of British Columbia. She's an expert on laws governing sexual misconduct. And of course, the law isn't our only tool for dealing with sexual violence. We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to find out how the COVID pandemic has pushed high school students to launch their own Me Too movement from home. She files this report. At Berkeley High School in California, the movement to address sexual assault can be traced to bathroom stalls. It was there that Annette Kwan joined her classmates in February 2020 to scribble the names of alleged perpetrators. It was pretty much all of us looking out for each other because some of the boys were also the ones who had been reported to the school already, but nothing had been done. The names were written with a marker under the words, boys to watch out for. Students said that many on the list had reputations for inappropriate behavior around young women. Pretty much. It would just be wiped off immediately during that period or afterwards, and people would just keep writing it since they kept erasing it. (laughs) Students held a walkout to demand the school take action to address assault on campus. But just weeks later, schools shut down because of the pandemic. Once quarantine started, everything died down, and... I just felt like it was necessary that the topic stays relevant because if it had faded out once again, nothing would change. So that summer, Kwan made a TikTok video that showed the faces of alleged perpetrators from Berkeley High and elsewhere. The video got over 100,000 views, but Kwan took it down after she was threatened with a lawsuit. The way that I approached this might not have been the best solution, but I think it was the most that I could have done in that situation. So many survivors are are finding that rather than do nothing and rather than turn to systems that continue to fail them, um, they would prefer to disclose unofficially, informally through social media. Deborah Turkheimer is a former prosecutor and author of the book, Credible, Why We Doubt Accusers and Protect Abusers. The costs of belief are pretty low in the setting, right? And so the flip side of, of turning to these unofficial channels is that we're not seeing a whole lot of accountability. It's easy to like a post on social media and move on. In her book, Turkheimer writes that if we want to address failures in the legal system, we need to change how we view credibility. Because she says, so often survivors are disbelieved or dismissed when they are simply asking for support. That's especially true for Black women. And so if we decide we're only going to act if we've got this beyond a reasonable doubt standard, the kinds of evidence that would lead to a criminal conviction, we probably are going to be stuck in a permanent state of equipoise. And uh, we say, I just don't know. This is a he said, she said. I'm not going to do anything. Which, of course, means the accused man wins the day. In the summer of 2020, students across the country set up Instagram accounts to share experiences of abuse. One of the goals was to change that narrative. They wanted to show victims they believed them and that their stories mattered. One of those accounts, at Dear SFUSD, was set up for San Francisco students. I don't think any of this would have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic. That's Tivin Parker, one of the former moderators of the account. Because 
bullying is still a real thing. And if you talk about something so honest and in so much detail on Instagram, you, you have to go to school the next day. Parker remembers seeing a former longtime friend accused of sexual harassment. It was heartbreaking that somebody I knew, the fact that I thought I knew them and I thought I knew everything about them. She said the account became a platform to spread awareness and educate each other about consent. It was not about retribution or cancel culture. Students hoped the stories shared online would also send a message to the school district to take these issues seriously. Hopefully they are considering it and they are seeing that if a group of students can come together and find solutions and raise awareness, then they can too. And they're the ones with the power right now. We spoke up about it and now it's their turn. In response to the activism at Berkeley High, the school adopted several changes. For example, they started a committee made up mostly of students to give input on consent education. And now many of the students who launched these efforts online are back on campus, where they hope the conversation can continue in person. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.